Hey everyone, I'm Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. This is season two of Fresh Invest, your favorite investing podcast sponsored by Fidelity Investments and powered by Morning Brew. Today's topic is where that brick colonial on the corner meets the NASDAQ. We're gonna talk about real estate as an investment. Real estate has long been seen as a foundation of wealth building and one that rewards foresight. If you've ever met someone who bought a lower Manhattan loft in 1982 and now doesn't have to worry about retirement or their kids' college tuition, you know what I'm talking about. That's the dream, right? You buy the place, then let time do its value appreciating thing. But just like any other asset class, real estate has its own unique features, its own personality, if you will. There are legitimate questions to ask before you buy property, including, do I plan to live in this place, flip it, or run it as a landlord? Should I redecorate? If location is everything, does that mean the only properties worth buying are in Palm Beach and Santa Monica? No, of course not. But there are lots of factors to consider before buying any kind of physical property, even if you don't plan on living there. That's what I'll discuss today with Fidelity professional Andy Rubin. Andy, welcome to the show. Pumped to have you here. Thanks, Alex. I'm excited to be here. So let's just start with a little bit about you. Can you introduce yourself and uh, tell me what you do at Fidelity? I would be happy to. I am an institutional portfolio manager for real estate investment strategies within Fidelity's asset management business. Fidelity's dedicated real estate investing pursuits span the globe, as well as all major real estate property types, and we invest actively in both real estate equity and real estate debt on behalf of our clients, and we have for decades. In my role, I'm tasked with maintaining deep knowledge of portfolio management philosophy, process, and construction, ensuring that the portfolios we run are managed in accordance with our clients' expectations and guidelines, and I contribute to external investment thought leadership, just like this podcast. Love it. So let's just start foundationally, pun intended, what makes real estate an attractive investment as an asset class? Right. So I feel strongly, Alex, that real estate can be an essential building block within any investment portfolio. Generally, real estate is sought for its potential to diversify portfolios that are comprised of the traditional asset classes, stocks and bonds typically, as well as its income generative qualities and its potential to protect against inflation. Now, contrary to popular belief, real estate is not a homogenous sector, and there's a broad spectrum of different property types, each with unique demand drivers that exhibit varying levels of sensitivity to the economy. Now, depending on an investor's risk profile and return expectations, he or she may elect to focus their investments on one real estate asset, perhaps a collection of the same type of real estate assets. Think a portfolio of rental apartments as an example. And then other investors might pursue a diversified approach to real estate investing and seek exposure to a multitude of different property types in an effort to balance the potential risks. At the end of the day, what the typical real estate investor seeks, from my experience, is an attractive total return outcome that has the potential to be additive to their other investment pursuits. Another word you mentioned when you were talking about real estate as an asset class is the opportunity for diversification from other traditional assets like stocks and bonds. So does that mean that real estate generally has a negative correlation with these asset classes? Or what is the, the traditional or historical relationship? 
Yeah. So the first thing is that it depends on the form of real estate investment, but generally, yes. A key benefit of real estate is that it tends to be lowly correlated or said differently, behave independently relative to these other major asset classes. Now, publicly traded real estate stocks, as well as bonds, which are very popular choices amongst many investors, those naturally tend to be more correlated to the broad equity and, and bond markets, though those instruments can still be very effective. A direct investment in a piece of property or in a, a loan or a mortgage backed by property will inherently have a lower correlation to those broad equity and bond markets, particularly over shorter periods of time. And, and so therefore, there are many investors that, that might prefer to go that route. Got it. And so this is kind of the piece on relationship between real estate and stocks or bonds. What about the relationship between, let's call it the value of real estate or home values and the broader economy? And you can even just speak to kind of like the environment that we're in now in, you know, a, a low rate environment, bull market. How should we think about appreciation of real estate as an asset? Yeah. So let me split my response into two pieces. First, from a revenue or cash flow perspective, which really applies to commercial or income producing forms of real estate. You know, investors in that case, they need to acknowledge that demand for these properties tied to economic growth. And so when the economy is adding jobs and the value of financial assets is gently rising, that typically results in demand for rental apartments, demand for industrial warehouse buildings, office and retail space, self-storage, the list goes on. This supports property occupancy and allows the owners of those properties to increase rent, both of which drive property cash flows or revenue, which in turn drives the value of the underlying properties. Now, the second piece to it I'm, I'll describe as sort of residential or home ownership. And that is different as there's no income or revenue generation when you own and, and live in your home. And in fact, the homeowners listening to the pod here can appreciate the fact that it tends to be the opposite, where you as the homeowner end up pouring income into the property to maintain it. Having said that, homeowners do have upside potential in the value of their home. And what ends up driving the underlying value of the, the single-family residential market tends to be more demographical in nature. So things like the overall home ownership rate in a given market, household formation, affordability of owning versus renting, um, you know, those tend to be really the main drivers. And recently, to your point, Alex, th these trends have been quite favorable. And we've seen very robust appreciation in the single family uh, home market through really this pandemic period. So the favorable trends have supported values. Uh, that appreciation has been exceedingly high. We've seen some signs recently of a potential moderation in that price appreciation, which I think is very natural and, and healthy given uh, the runway that we've been in here for so many months. I love that. To me, the next obvious question here, once we understand the asset class is like, should we get involved? How do we get involved? And before asking about like tactically how we get involved, one question I first have is, how do you decide if you say you buy into you know, the inflation hedging properties of real estate, the negative correlation between stocks and bonds traditionally. If you're just looking at kind of the two main buckets of real estate, commercial versus residential, how do you start thinking about what bucket makes sense for you to kind of play in as an investor? Yeah. So 
I think as a general proposition, I tend to be very sort of long-term oriented in terms of my investment philosophy. And there is a bias, certainly given my role at Fidelity and how we tend to invest. And so I often get questions about, can you make a quick buck flipping real estate, either single family homes or even pieces of commercial property? And, you know, again, my personal reaction to that is that a shorter term oriented approach is very difficult to execute both consistently and profitably over time. That's the first thing I'll say. What I do believe and feel strongly about is that for the average individual investor, it's very prudent to maintain static, strategic uh, exposure to some form of real estate investment over time. And I think that a diverse approach where you're not picking a specific property type, whether that's within the commercial realm or in the single family sort of home ownership world, but to have that diverse exposure and benefit from the sort of yin and yang and the zig and zag that occurs given the different drivers, depending on that underlying property type, and to put that exposure on by way of a professionally managed vehicle like a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, or one of the many different private fund or partnership structures that are available today, many of which in recent years have brought investment minimums down pretty meaningfully. So they, they bring the access to a, a very wide swath of the individual investing public. And as I said, it's all about that strategic sort of through cycle allocation where you're not trying to time the market, but you're sort of setting that appropriate allocation. You're rebalancing over time, just as you're guided to do with your stock and bond uh, allocations, but you sort of set it and forget it with a periodic rebalancing. And that helps to counter sort of the ebb and flow of the market and the potential for that allocation to get out of whack. And you turn around years down the, the line and, and that allocation should be highly additive to your overall uh, diversified approach. That's super helpful. And I'm not sure if you know this number on hand, so if not, no big deal. But um, obviously past performance, not a predictor of future performance. But how historically has real estate as an asset class from a return perspective performed relative to, let's just say, the benchmark that everyone looks like looks at, like the S&P, which... I believe is, you know, generally compounding 7% year over year for the last 40 years. Yeah, it's difficult to generalize because there's all these different flavors of real estate and it's hard to identify what's the best proxy. Yeah. That said, I'll approach it this way. So I think a reasonable apples to apples-ish way to compare it is to look at the listed U.S. real estate equity group. So the publicly traded companies that own own real estate and operate real estate. There's you know, 150, 200 some odd uh, of these listed real estate entities in the US. And if you look at their history, that, you know, which goes back, I would say you know, the last 30 years is sort of the, the most relevant time period to look at. If you go further back than that, uh, the, the universe is very small and there's some other issues. But if you compare the annualized return over very long periods, 15, 20, 25 years, it's exceedingly compelling. Depending on the index of that, that listed U.S. real estate group, what you would find is average annualized returns that are in the very high single digits, even low double digits per annum over those long stretches. So it, I would say it's very competitive. Over certain periods, you would find that it has outpaced broad equity headline indices. I think in of itself, it is exceedingly compelling in, in, in that regard. Worth taking a look at. So one last question before we finish up the conversation. This season of Fresh Invest, we've taken questions from the audience. And one audience member asked, what criteria or indicators are important when assessing or investing in real estate? Sure. So as I mentioned earlier in our discussion, uh, I view real estate as an essential building block within any investment portfolio. 
Having said that, many investors may be looking to dial their real estate exposure up or down at certain points in time, depending on the environment or, or based on a view they may have at a, at a point in time. And, and oftentimes that is impacted by uh, certain metrics or indicators. So along those lines, because, and I'm going to focus on the commercial side, because fundamentally speaking, commercial real estate is really about supply and demand. I would encourage investors to look at some gauge of the demand for commercial property, whether that's in a specific property type or a specific geographic market. There's a a multitude of metrics out there that are at investors' disposal, things like occupancy rates, rental rate growth. Those are probably the two biggest keys to get a a gauge of how strong demand is uh, in in a given subset. And then on the the supply side of that supply and demand uh, equation, you need to be mindful there too. If there's an abundance of property being built and delivered, well, then that can be problematic and that can oversaturate a market with too much supply that might exceed demand. And so there's indicators of new supply that are closely followed. And I would, again, also encourage investors to be mindful of those. The only other thing I'd mention, Alex, is I like to describe real estate as a capital intensive industry and pursuit. And therefore, the availability of capital and the cost of that capital said differently, the prevailing interest rates in the market, right? What type of rate environment are we in? And as a property owner, what is the going rate to borrow against a piece of property? In recent years, it's been very competitive. We've been in a low rate environment on a historical basis. And so that's been very supportive, but you need to pay a close eye to that. And you need to have a view, I think, on the direction of rates as well. Andy, this has been super insightful from just how to think about real estate as an asset class uh, relative to, you know, some of the more traditional assets we look at, like stocks or bonds, but also, you know, taking it a step further as investors, as retail investors, how we can think about getting involved in the space, both like theoretically, but also tactically. Um, So really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining Fresh Invest. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for listening in today, everyone. I personally found it super helpful to parse out the received wisdom on real estate from how property actually works as a potential wealth builder. What may have worked in 1992 may not be the right path today, and the right move for someone living in Brooklyn may not be the wisest choice for someone in Akron. I thought Andy's comments on flipping houses was particularly interesting. I think the key terms he used were consistency and profitability, You may be successful slapping a new coat of paint on one property, but doing it over and over may not work. That's why next week, we're going to explore real estate investment vehicles that are somewhat removed from physical properties. We'll introduce you to some nifty tools you can use to invest in real estate without buying property. So we'll see you then. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, everyone. This is Erica Gunn from Morning Brew. And as the producer of Fresh Invest, I'm here to let you know that this podcast was created on behalf of Fidelity Investments by the Morning Brew Creative Studio and does not reflect the opinions or point of view of the Morning Brew editorial team. Sources are provided for informational and reference purposes only. They are not an endorsement of Fidelity Investments or Fidelity Investments products. 
And on their side, Fidelity is the paid sponsor of this podcast, which includes providing Fidelity personnel for interviews and publications with Morning Brew Studios on content development. Fidelity and Morning Brew are independent entities. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrated purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer of solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The views and opinions expressed by the speaker are his or her own as of the date of the recording and do not necessarily represent the views of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Any such views are subject to change at any time based on market or other conditions and Fidelity disclaims any responsibility to update such views. These views should not be relied on as investment advice and because investment decisions are based on numerous factors, may not be relied on as an indication of trading intent on behalf of any Fidelity product. Neither Fidelity nor the Fidelity speaker can be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss occur by applying any of the information provided. Please consult your tax or financial advisor for additional information concerning your specific situation. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and may contain copyrighted works of FMR LLC, which are protected by law. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. Fidelity and the Fidelity Investments and Pyramid Design logo are registered service marks of FMR LLC. Copyright 2021 FMR LLC, all rights reserved. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Changes in real estate values or economic conditions can have a positive or negative effect on the issuers in the real estate industry. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or guarantee against loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. See you next time.